0: Thank you for listening, and we pray that the Lord will help each of us as we study and preach the Word of God. And the saints all with gladness are singing the glorious song of the redeemed. Song of the redeemed. Thank you for tuning into the Wednesday edition of our podcast. As we get closer and closer to Christmas Day, we certainly are looking forward to the House of God on Sunday. Uh, looking forward tonight, uh, Lord Will Our Church will be caroling. Uh, we have a lady in the church that lives in a in a, a center, some apartments, and uh, she has got the room reserved in the main area and invited neighbors and friends, and the church is going to go sing Christmas carols and give an exhortation, and how we thank God for that privilege. But this Lord's Day, this coming Sunday, will be Christmas Day, and I realize that every church, every uh, called out assemblies going to make their decision about when to have church, how to have church, what to have church. But I do pray whether you have one service, two services, three, four services, whatever you do. I pray you don't lose sight of the things of God. I certainly would hate to think that folks would uh, uh, let Christmas and gifts and dinner and breakfast and all those things overthrow what God is trying to do. What a shame that would be. What a disgrace that would be for the saints of God to be caught laying out of the house of God uh, because their children need to open toys, because grandmas invited them for dinner. It's for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. And that's not some kind of bold, arrogant statement. It's the reality. It's Christmas Day, but more than anything else, it's just the Lord's Day and how we thank God for the house of God. Uh, we will be, Lord willing, next Sunday on New Year's Day. We'll begin a meeting in Martinsville, Virginia. And then we'll be heading over to New Hope, North Carolina after that. And then we'll be back in the state of Pennsylvania and be over just outside of Three Springs. Technically, it's Broadtop City is the address of the church. And so we're looking forward to those meetings coming up in January. Now, we're going to be back in Psalm 119 again today. And in Psalm 119, we've been looking at the Word of God in Psalm 119. The Lord impressed upon me to kind of go through each of these because the first eight verses Uh, certainly line up with other scriptures, such as Psalm 17, and we can see the word of God there as he goes through each of these precepts and statutes and commandments and testimonies and judgments. And the last that we really have to go through is going to be in verse seven, where he says, I will praise thee with uprightness of heart when I shall have learned thy righteous judgments. And of course, righteous are right doing, right leaning right, always right, always pure, always just, and those are the judgments of Almighty God. And yet the work of God that continues on in the Word of God is for our benefit. It's for our admonition. And so we see these judgments in verse 7. Now, I want to focus on these judgments today, and then we'll go to the rest of the psalm in a couple of days to follow. But the judgments of God that he speaks about we see in verse 7, they're righteous judgments. We know that according to scripture. In verse 13, with my lips have I declared all the judgments of thy mouth. And so again, we see the mouth of the Lord. He speaks judgments. In verse 20, my soul breaketh for the longing that it hath under thy judgments at all times. So his soul is for the judgments of God. So at this point, I want to stop and just look at that word, judgments. What does it mean? That judgments are recast, judgments are made, judgments are holy, judgments are righteous when they're God's judgments. And I'm going to use sports, and I hope that's not an offense to many of you that probably hate sports, but the reality is in sports that there's what they call a judgment call. A man has to take the rule book, and he's an official in any sport, doesn't matter what sport it is, and to be non-offensive, we'll take badminton. Uh, and a referee in badminton, he knows the rules of the game. He's memorized the rulebook. It's an absolute. And so a decision comes up, but it's kind of a gray area. Did the player do this? the player not do that? And it's kind of a gray area to the player, but the official knows the rulebook. And the rule book gives no leniency. The rule book has no gray area. Why? Because they have for 120 years, the Olympic Committee, and the International Badminton Association have come up with rules and they've tried to eliminate and alleviate all of those things as the best as man can do. And so the players over there yelling, well, this isn't fair and this isn't just. And the officials waving this manual in the air saying, no, this is the rule book. This is what it says. This is how it must be done. These are the rules that we've come up with. And so he rules in judgment. He takes a set of facts and he he takes those facts and he weighs them against what he's being told and what he has seen and what both sides are saying. And ultimately, that set of facts will reign supreme. Now, the reason that's a faulty explanation is because it has been proven that officials have been paid and players have been paid to skew those facts and to make bad judgments. And and many times in sports, of course, the accusation is that uh whenever you have a big name player, that they kind of change the rules and they turn the other way. And so they're not righteous judgments, but they're still judgments. And you and I make judgments every day. We make judgments about situations and about people. And the reality is we make judgments sometimes based on personal ideals rather than fact. We don't judge a man based on who he is. We judge a man based on the history of someone maybe very similar to him. And that's an awful way to live. That's an awful thing to do to somebody. Uh, They remind you of your great uncle who was just a filthy, dirty old man. And because they have a beard like him and you immediately cast that judgment upon a person you've never met. And what a horrible way to live. Yeah, people do that every day. And then they accuse the saints of God of being judgmental. And what a terrible thing. They stereotype and they say, oh, you're judgmental. But the reality is, if I'm not being judgmental, you're judging whether or not I'm judgmental. That That's going to just continue in a circle I don't want to get into. We'll never get out of that circle if we talk about that. But it's just where we are. And But yet, God's judgments are pure. God's judgments are right. God's judgments are holy. Because God also is holding up a manual, and the manual is this King James Bible. And when he holds up that King James Bible, there's no gray area. There's no variableness or turning. And so you and I are under the judgments of God. That means God is taking truth and weighing it against our opinions, against our way of life, against our manner of speech, against the way we conduct ourselves. God has taken the ultimate manual and he has used it against us. And it doesn't mean he's trying to hurt us he's trying to wound us or he's trying to destroy us. No, he uses it against us in judgment because you and I are wrong and God is right. And if I have to contend with God, the interesting thing is that with the times I have contended with God, I am 0 for 900 so far. I've not won one case yet because I didn't know the commandments of God or I didn't understand the precepts of God. I was carnal and thought I was spiritual. I was following another spirit, not the spirit of Christ. I was in the flesh, not walking in the spirit. And yet I've made this judgment and I'm going to make the right decision. I contend with God over and the Lord's judgment is always right because he knows the manual. He knows the rules. He knows the law. They're perfect and he knows them because he wrote them because he gave them to us for us. And so he weighs that and he holds that against us and that doesn't mean in a bad way but we're wrong. And he's right and he's always going to be right. Why? Because his judgments are pure. Well, let's go on and look at a couple of the judgments here with the Lord's help. In verse 30 of Psalm 119, I have chosen the way of truth. And it's interesting, commandments, precepts, judgments, testimonies, statutes, every one of them has the way or a way, and it's God's way. And so his judgments are in his way. And when you're walking in God's way, his judgments will be for your profit. I have chosen the way of truth. Thy judgments have I laid before me. So here's me, and then here's the truth. And God has ruled against me, or God has ruled for me. I don't want to be negative in here, but God has ruled for me. Why? Because I'm walking in truth. And God takes that instruction manual and holds it against my way, and I see that I am indeed walking with God, and I indeed am in fellowship with God. It all started when I indeed found out I do have this great salvation wrought in God. And therefore, his judgments have shown me that I'm walking in his way. In verse 39, turn away my reproach, which I fear, for thy judgments are good. In verse 43, and take not the word of truth utterly out of my mouth, for I have hoped in thy judgments. Verse 52. I remember thy judgments of old, O Lord, and have comforted myself. And that's a wonderful thing, because he's not declined from his law. He remembers the judgments of old. He remembers the times that God weighed him against the law of God, the commandments of God, the statutes of God, the precepts of God, the testimonies of God. He's weighed him against those and found out that indeed he was right. God ruled, if you will, in his favor. And so it'll be in that great day of judgment, at that judgment seat of Christ. Jesus Christ will either rule against us or rule in our favor. Let's find out our works, whether they be pure works. Were they done in the flesh? Were they done to impress? Were they wrought of God? At midnight, we're in verse 62 now, I will rise to give thanks unto thee because of thy righteous judgments. In verse 75, I know, O Lord, that thy judgments are right, and that thou in faithfulness hast afflicted me. So he said, I know thy judgments are right. You have looked at me, and you have held me up against an authority, against a law, and I came out on the short end of the stick. And you're right, and I'm wrong. Or you've held me against this law, and I've seen thy judgments, and I found out that indeed I was right because I was in your way, not my own way. And that's the only place to be, is in God's way. And if you continually come under condemnation by the law of God, it's because God's judgments are ruling against you. And yet so many people fight against that. And so many people wrestle against that. And they turn against that. And God's judged them. God is actively judging them. God is trying to show them their condition but they will not submit to the righteousness of God, which is in the person of Jesus Christ. They do not want to see that his judgments are right. They don't want to see that God has taken them and weighed them against the word of God, and they don't want to realize that they're wanting still. In verse 1 or 2, I have not departed from thy judgments, for thou hast taught me. That's the instruction of judgments. When God weighs us, when God holds this word against us it ought to teach us it ought to make us better it ought to make us a little bit wiser in verse 106 i have sworn and i will perform it that i will keep thy righteous judgments and so god's judgments are not only to live by god's judgments are also to perform and also to help others to live by in verse 120 my flesh trembleth for fear of thee and i am afraid of thy judgments Why would a man be afraid of God's judgments? the same reason he fears God, because God is right, and man is wrong. And our ways are so against God's ways. They're carnal and fleshly, and we want what we want, and we want what's best for us, and we want what we think is best for our family, not understanding that God has something greater for us. It just doesn't line up with what we want in life. And therefore, we ought to fear God's judgments. Psalm 119, 137, righteous art thou, O Lord, and upright are thy judgments. Verse 156, great are thy tender mercies, O Lord, quicken me according to thy judgments. Verse 160, thy word is true from the beginning, and every one of thy righteous judgments endureth forever. And so he does not change on his judgments. Why? Because the book doesn't change. The lawgiver doesn't change. The law does not change. Therefore, God is unchanging in his judgments. Verse 164, seven times a day do I praise thee because of thy righteous judgments. You oh, know how righteous are his judgments, and we ought to praise him. He is because his judgments are true, and his judgments are righteous. And even if God rules against us, it still is right, and it's for our betterment. Let my soul live, in Psalm 119, 175, and it shall praise thee, and let thy judgments help me. A marvelous thing. Let thy judgments help me. Lord, when you rule against me, show me I'm wrong, it will help me. You realize that's kind of the court system of the United States, really. If you would let the court rule against you when you're wrong, You'd think a man would learn from that. You'd think it would help him. You'd think that he would see his ways and his folly, a little bit of time in the lockup, maybe some time in the prison. He'd see the error of his ways. That was the idea that the Quakers had, and the, that if a man was in his cell with the Word of God and sitting in a chair all day with nothing but the Word of God, he would become penitent. And the idea behind that is the penitentiary system that started in Pennsylvania and the city of Philadelphia. And the Quakers had this wonderful idea. They said, man, men will become penitent if they just have the word of God, but they have to love the judgments of God. And if you can't believe that a judge is right concerning your error, concerning your lawlessness and your law breaking, you can't agree with that. How in the world can you agree with God? You know, I've always been... Unjust when I've been pulled over by the police and given a ticket. There's not one time in my life that I could look back and say, you know what, that police officer wrongfully pulled me over. But there came a day in my life that I finally had to just come to that realization. And to my shame, just recently I was pulled over by the police. And a man came up to the window. He was very nice. And he said, Do you know why I pulled you over? I said, Yes, sir. I said, I was going about 10 miles an hour over the speed limit. And he said, Well, why were you going so fast? I said, Well, I was late. I was trying to get to the post office to mail something that closes in three minutes. And I looked at him and kind of smiled and said, and I realized now that I'm not going to make it. And he says, no, you're not going to make it. And he didn't laugh, but he went back to his car and he came back and he was merciful to me. And he gave me a warning and asked me to slow down. I thanked him. You know why? Because God put him in my life to protect me. God put him in my life for my safety. And there was a time in my life I would have yelled and ran and raved and convinced everybody I was just to convince everybody I was right. No, I was speeding. And yet that's the lawless mindset of men. That's the lawless mindset of the lawbreaker. Well, you don't understand these rich people have money. I can rob from them. These rich people have this. I can do this. Oh, you don't understand everybody's against me. I've been oppressed and I have the right to do this and I have the right, but that's America today. She's become that today. And men are just so unjust because they don't believe God's just. They don't believe God's law was right. And my friend, if you wrestle against the law of this land, you'll never come to grips with God's law. You wrestle with the law of your parents, you'll never come to grips with God's law. If you can't come to grips with the law where you are, you'll never come to grips with the law that judges you righteously. God's law. You'll never come to grips with that. And my friend, Blessed are the undefiled in the way who walk in the law of the Lord. Blessed are they that keep his testimonies and the seek him with the whole heart. They also do no iniquity. They walk in his ways. Thou hast commanded us to keep thy precepts diligently. Oh, that my ways were directed to keep thy statutes. Then shall I not be ashamed when I have respect unto all thy commandments. I will praise thee with uprightness of heart when I shall have learned thy righteous judgments. I will keep thy statutes. Oh, forsake me not, utterly. Lord willing, tomorrow on the podcast, we'll begin at verse nine and begin to look at the rest of this chapter. And I believe with the pattern we've established, it's gonna take us about three months, but hopefully we can speed up a little bit as we've looked at some of the main content of this chapter already in the law of God. Have a great day. There is a lost soul who's tired of the sinning are singing the glory